Cheap dopamine is the greatest trap of the digital age. And if you're struggling to develop a consistent writing habit, it's probably because you're allowing too much cheap dopamine to come into your life. So what is dopamine and how can you turn it from a dangerous distraction into a helpful ally that helps you achieve your writing goals? Put simply, dopamine is a chemical that regulates pleasure and motivation. From an evolutionary standpoint, your brain releases dopamine to reward you for doing anything that increases your chances of survival and reproduction. Let's imagine that you're a caveman and you hunt down a mammoth. You get dopamine. You find some sweet tasting berries, you get dopamine. You go on a romantic date with a cavewoman, you get dopamine. And all these things encourage you to make progress towards your survival and reproduction as a member of the human race. But here's the thing, in the modern world, the pleasures that we can access have increased a hundred or even a thousand fold compared to caveman times, but our brains haven't caught up. We're using hardware that is 10,000 years old to deal with problems that were invented yesterday. In just one aisle at the supermarket, you can access a billion times more calories and sweetness than a whole tribe of cavemen could in their entire lives. And it gets even worse when you think about information and entertainment. Why entertain yourself by writing your own novel when you can simply open Instagram or TikTok and consume hundreds or even thousands of pieces of dopamine spiking content? But here's the thing, dopamine doesn't have to hold you back from writing. Dopamine can be used to make your writing feel effortless and easy. So learning to sort of hack your dopamine and trick your brain into enjoying the oftentimes difficult task of writing I would consider that almost the foundational skill of success as a modern author. And this comes from the realization that there are two types of dopamine. There is cheap dopamine, which is where you derive pleasure without effort. That encompasses things like scrolling on Instagram or eating a whole bar of chocolate or binging Netflix, you know, things that maybe feel good in the moment, but perhaps make you feel like garbage later on. And then we have rich dopamine. Rich dopamine comes from actually enjoying that effort and that process. So these are things like a tough gym workout or a quality conversation with a friend or learning about storycraft, about how to create more interesting character arcs, or actually even sitting down to write and work on your novel. When you maximize rich dopamine and minimize cheap dopamine, you increase the level of fulfillment and joy that you experience in your life. And you give yourself the mental clarity and motivation required to write a awesome story. So how do you actually do that on a practical level? In my experience, I've found there's four key steps around this process. And the first is to begin with a dopamine audit. Get honest with yourself. How much cheap dopamine are you allowing to take you away from achieving your writing goals? The whole idea of a dopamine audit is just simply to develop a better awareness around your current habits and your current attitudes towards dopamine. So these are things like going into your phone and looking at how much screen time you are spending on there per day. Whether you're using like an Android phone or an iPhone or something else, pretty much every phone today will have like a screen time section where you can actually check out, you know, how much time you're spending on different apps, how much time you're spending on the phone, how many times you actually pick up a phone every single day, and that is really useful for just giving you a baseline understanding of your relationship to this device. As part of this dopamine audit process, it's also good to develop awareness around how much time you are spending watching TV or streaming stuff, and also how much junk food you're eating. Basically, you wanna be thinking about activities that are high in cheap dopamine, activities that are very easy to derive short-term pleasure from without a lot of effort, and just ask yourself, how big are these activities within my life? Now, it's not to say that any of these things are necessarily bad. I personally love watching movies and you could argue, oh, that's a very cheap dopamine activity, but I really like it and it often comes at the end of a long day of writing or work and it's a way for me to just expose myself to different stories and that's why you get into this writing game in the first place is because you love stories and films are a fantastic medium for this. So all things in moderation, of course. However, it is important to just be realistic with yourself here and to recognize that if you're not achieving the kind of writing habits that you want right now, 
If you're not achieving the kind of daily word counts that you would like to be achieving with your book, then it means that there's something with your habits that needs optimization and needs fixing. So assess the sources of cheap dopamine in your life and ask yourself, what is the most common way or what is the most common tactic I'm using to procrastinate from my writing. Become aware of the sources of cheap dopamine in your life. Ask yourself if it is serving your goals or whether this is an area that you can improve. And then this leads us to step number two, which is don't spike your dopamine before writing. As neuroscientist Andrew Huberman says, don't spike dopamine prior to engaging in effort and don't spike dopamine after engaging in effort. Learn to spike your dopamine from effort itself. I think this is hugely important. In my own life, I know that whenever I tell myself, oh, I'm just gonna quickly check emails before starting a writing session, or I tell myself, oh, I'm just gonna watch like one quick five minute YouTube video and then I'll get down to writing. That rarely ever is the case. That five minute video turns into two or three or four videos. And that quick email leads to me having to follow up another task or get distracted with something else that isn't really that important in the moment. So you really don't wanna be spiking dopamine before you engage in a writing session. You should be trying to focus on spiking your dopamine from the process of writing itself. Learn to enjoy that process. Learn to become addicted to that feeling of making forward momentum in your story and you'll find it much easier to successfully complete your drafts. So for me, this often comes down to the following few principles. Number one is to have a rock solid intrinsic motivation for writing your book. The more extrinsic your motivation is for writing, the more difficult it will be to actually spike the dopamine in the process of writing each day because you're relying on the book being finished to have that dopamine spike of saying, I'm a published author or you're helping to sell copies of the book or whatever it is. Obviously, those are goals that you can aspire to as well. But I think that you should really focus hard on just having a very solid intrinsic calling for doing this book. And I think this is especially important as you get further into your writing career because as you have books that have already been published out there like myself, you get into this place where it is easy to get distracted by things like wanting a large number of book sales or because you see other authors writing in a genre and that genre is being successful. And it's very easy to follow these siren songs that distract you with all these extrinsic motivations. And of course, it is important to have those in the back of your mind if you're wanting to make a successful career out of this thing. But it's important that you underlie any other reasons you have for writing this book with that rock solid intrinsic motivation of wanting to tell this particular story. Because when you have that craving and that urge to tell this story so deep within you, it just becomes so much easier to enjoy that process and to get this sense of dopamine from actually putting the words down on the page, bringing these characters to life, seeing where they go. The second principle here is to constantly ask, why will this be someone's favorite scene? This is something I've mentioned a heap in my videos on this channel, but it's a really useful question because if you ever find yourself showing up to write a scene and you don't feel that excited for it, just ask yourself, why will this be someone's favorite scene? And often whenever I have really consciously asked myself that question and thought about it at a very deep level, it means that I approach this scene with a renewed level of excitement and vigor and intensity. Now this scene is not just something that gets my characters from A to B, it has the potential to be somebody's favorite scene. Maybe not all readers' favorite scene, but hopefully one reader out of the many who are gonna read this book, this will be something that particularly stands out for them for some reason or another. What is that reason? That's up to me to create. And that generates a certain level of excitement and curiosity and intrigue when it comes to writing. The third principle is to listen to inspiring music. I have a massive playlist of instrumental music out there that I love to listen to when I write. 
It really gets me in the mood. The fourth principle is to track my daily word counts. You could argue this is a case of spiking my dopamine after the writing has been done. But for me personally, just being able to put down my word counts at the end of every writing session and knowing that that's what I'm sort of working towards as I go through that writing session itself, it really just gamifies the process. It makes me feel like I'm making forward momentum with my writing. And then the fifth principle is to get into flow. Psychologist Mihai Chinsenk Mihai defines flow as a state of optimal experience where you are completely absorbed in the task at hand. Within a flow state, time dissolves, worries fade, our focus narrows, and we experience a heightened state of awareness and fulfillment. And in the case of writing, the words just seem to flow down onto the page without any effort at all. Hopefully that flow state is something you've experienced with your writing before. And if you have, you probably wanna experience that flow state on a more regular and a consistent basis. You want the ability to just flick yourself into that flow state like you're flipping a switch. And helping you become better at sort of tapping into this creative flow state is the goal of my Easy Writing Habits course. And if you've gotten this far into the video, you might wanna check it out. In my opinion, it's the best resource out there for building an effortless writing habit that helps you consistently produce amazing first drafts within two to three months. The course uses all the lessons I've learned from writing over one million words, which has resulted in three published fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. And it draws from that experience to provide you with a comprehensive step-by-step -step system for developing successful writing habits, even if you have a busy day job or a hectic family life. I've had a ton of writers sign up for the course so far, and I'm seeing incredible results come out of the students who've gone through the program. Here's what one of my students said. Jed Hearn's Easy Writing Habits course is fantastic. I think the biggest win for me is that it will give me the mentality to succeed in writing. By that, I mean having the mindset to succeed in completing a manuscript, rather than allowing any kind of resistance to overwhelm, distract, block, or beat me. I've only just finished the course, but I'm very confident that Jed's videos have given me the inspiration, motivation, and practical toolbox to conquer my resistance, avoid the many distractions, and focus on achieving my goal of writing a book. You can see tons more student reviews and see the full details about the course by going to easywritinghabits.com. Easy Writing Habits also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and the reason I've done that is so that the best-case scenario of taking the course is that you become a ultra-productive storytelling machine, and the worst-case scenario, if it doesn't kind of live up to that standard and it's not useful for you, you can just send me an email and I'll give you a full refund no questions asked. Once again, go to easywritinghabits.com to sign up. And the link is also in the description below this video. Step number three is to make the one decision that eliminates a thousand other decisions. When it comes to eliminating cheap dopamine so that you can build better writing habits, I firmly believe that structure beats discipline. We often focus a ton on discipline and motivation, that ability to grit yourself to do hard tasks even when you don't feel like it. But I personally believe that discipline is a bit overrated. Rather than relying on discipline, I would rather have my environment and my habits and my system set up in a way that makes it easy to do what I want and makes it difficult to do the things that I don't wanna do. A really simple analogy for this is that you could have a bunch of cookies in your pantry and you could rely on discipline in order to not eat those. Or you could simply throw the cookies out of your house and now you have created structure that makes discipline irrelevant because you're gonna achieve the goals based off the environment you've created for yourself. So when it comes to kind of reducing the amount of cheap dopamine in your life, here are seven high leverage one-time decisions that you can make right now to eliminate thousands of possible cheap dopamine traps in the future. The first is to turn your phone on to grayscale mode. I have done this with my phone for ages and it is so useful because it's shocking to see how colorful and candy-like a lot of phone apps are. And you'll notice this, if you turn your phone into grayscale now, and then you turn it back into normal mode like a few hours later or even a day later, you'll realize that a lot of the apps genuinely look like candy. They look like these really brightly colored sweets. And that's because app engineers who are very smart people who are paid millions and billions of dollars a year in order to figure out how to make you spend more time and more of your energy 
on these apps, they know that those bright colors are going to trick your brain into clicking on them and actually spending time within those apps. But when you turn your phone into grayscale, suddenly the phone becomes a lot less appealing, a lot less addictive, and you'll find yourself just naturally spending less time on it. It's a great example of one super easy decision that you can make right now that will massively improve and reduce the amount of cheap dopamine that you're accessing in your life. And then the second sort of high leverage action here is to always have your phone on do not disturb mode. So my phone constantly lives on do not disturb mode. Um, obviously, if I'm expecting a call from someone, then I will flick it off in those situations. But 99% of the time, the phone is on do not disturb mode. Notifications aren't coming through. Uh, I'm not getting bombarded with pings and text message alerts and all these different things. I know that way that I have control over my phone and that my phone doesn't have control over me. That way I'm not on other people's schedules or I'm not allowing you know, social media notifications to control my energy and control my day. Rather, when I wanna check my phone, I'll check my phone, I'll look through the messages on there, I'll look through the notifications in that case, but I'm doing it on my schedule. And it just means that you're much less likely to be distracted from writing. The third decision is to delete social media apps from your phone or at the very least sort of have them difficult to access. So on my phone right now, I don't have any social media apps. I think I've got like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and that's basically it. I wouldn't even really consider those social media because those are just communication apps. But I still have access to those things, you know, on the computer if I need to use them. But just by not having them on the phone, it really decreases the likelihood of me checking these things. And it means that if I'm, you know, meeting up with a friend and I'm just waiting around or something, I'm less likely to pull out my phone and start mindlessly scrolling through some social media feed. And that's good because even though you might think that that action is harmless, I think that it really trains your brain to not be good at dealing with boredom. And it trains you to respond to boredom by trying to seek distraction and dopamine from these social media sites. If instead you can kind of lean into that boredom and become comfortable with it in multiple areas of your life, then when it comes time to actually sitting down and writing, you're much less likely to walk away or to be distracted from that. You're actually able to grapple with that boredom and produce interesting creative work. The fourth idea here is to have no social media notifications as well. Again, this is something I, I sort of mentioned briefly earlier, but I think it's worthwhile just re-emphasizing this. I just don't get people who have their phones pinging and dinging and, and ringing whenever there is like someone posting a photo of their food on Instagram or whatever it is. Like, it just always seems ridiculous to me that you will allow the most precious commodity you have, which is your attention, your finite attention, your ability to focus and perceive the world. The fact that you will just allow these social media companies to dictate that and to destroy your attention at any moment they want is shocking to me. And then the fifth decision is to keep the phone out of your work area. Again, structure beats discipline. You could have your phone right next to your laptop as you're doing some writing, and you can use a ton of discipline to not pick up that phone, but it's so much easier to just have it in another room, or sometimes I'll go to the library and I just will leave my phone at home, giving myself no choice but to sit down and write. And that sometimes works doubly well because often the Wi-Fi at my local library is really bad. So it means that I literally have no choice but to just spend my energy and my focus in my Word document as I'm putting the words down for my next story. The sixth choice, which has immensely high leverage here as well, is to avoid checking your phone in the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day. And that also goes for things like emails and the internet as well. For me personally, I find that that's this first hour of the day is sort of so critical for just setting my focus and productivity for the entire day itself. You know, if I have to check my phone within the first 10 minutes of the day, it just sort of scrambles my circuits in a really weird way. And if you're someone who that is the way that you start every single day, then I would encourage you to strive for the next couple of days to not do that. And you'll be shocked at how much more focus and mental clarity you have 
which just allows for much better creativity and much better focus when it comes to your writing. And it's the same deal towards the end of your day as well. If you're checking the phone for you know, messages or whatever right before you go to bed, if something negative comes through, you're not gonna be able to act on it in that moment. And instead, you're just gonna be mulling over this thing and you'll probably sleep really badly that night because you're just stressing about it the whole time. And then the seventh high leverage decision here is to experiment with a digital Sabbath. So this is something I've been trying a lot more over the last few months. And it's essentially just setting aside one day every week where I try to not check emails. Um, in my case, I try not to check you know, analytics within YouTube Studio or really even watch any YouTube at all. And basically the goal here is just to give yourself these little circuit breakers to remind yourself to go outside, go for a walk, spend time with friends, read books, do things that aren't within the digital world and kind of give yourself a break from these things that give you a lot of cheap dopamine. And then lastly, principle number four for regulating your dopamine is to realize that the struggle never ends. Learning to regulate your dopamine and build successful writing habits is a lifelong journey. Even once you think you have quote unquote solved it, there will always be more setbacks and adversity that comes along. You know, for me personally, I've definitely experienced this in the last couple of months as this YouTube channel has grown, which has been amazing. And I feel really grateful for all of you for watching these videos. And it's been awesome to share what I've learned from my writing career in these videos. But as the channel has grown, you know, it's become easier and easier to spend time looking at the analytics and seeing how a video is done and comparing the performance of my latest video to the ones that have come before and using that as a way to sort of get these dopamine spikes. And the key point here is not that I'm asking you to feel sorry for me there or anything, but it's just a recognition of the fact that as you kind of progress in your writing career, the challenges you'll face when it comes to your dopamine regulation, they will change. You know, when you're starting off as a writer, a lot of the challenges are maybe trying to put down the phone or get off social media and actually just get down and write. But as you start to get things published, now all of a sudden you have different pressures that come with the dopamine. You know, you've got maybe fans who are expecting the next book or you've got reviews that are coming in on your books. Or again, if you're running a YouTube channel, you know, you've got comments to respond to and you've got video analytics to look at and all of these sort of things. The point is that there are different levels to this game. And at each different level, there are new challenges that you will have to face and hopefully overcome. To quote Marcus Aurelius, the important thing is to not feel exasperated or defeated or despondent because your days aren't packed with wise and moral actions, but to get back up when you fail, to celebrate behaving like a human, however imperfectly, and fully embrace the pursuit that you've embarked on. To narrow this down to a more tactical level, I really like Gretchen Rubin's advice when it comes to resetting after you've maybe overindulged with too much cheap dopamine. Instead of feeling that you've blown the day and thinking, I'll get back on track tomorrow, Try thinking of each day as a set of four quarters, morning, midday, afternoon, evening. If you blow one quarter, you get back on track for the next quarter. Fail small, not big. And to those of us who are committed to minimizing cheap dopamine and maximizing the rich dopamine that comes from the pursuit of great stories, to you I say, keep writing and keep striving. I'll see you in the next video. Cheers.